Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. We're doing things a little bit differently uh, than our normal worship experience, and that's okay. Here in a few minutes after the message, we're going to celebrate communion together. Um, and so we, here at Vertical Church, we, we uh, operate under kind of an open communion. If you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, we don't check cards, we don't look for salvation history, we just offer communion, the table of the Lord, and celebrate it together, remembering not only his sacrifice, but who he is, that he is our redemption, that he is our saving grace, and we can come before him at any time. And so we're going to do that. Not only that, but, but the whole message today is kind of taking a different approach. Here's what I want you to do. Do you have a, you have a phone with you, at least a phone that you can text with? You have that? If you have that, go ahead and pull that out. Like, you don't hear that a lot in church, right? Like, take your phone out. Don't turn it off. Turn it on. And here's what I want you to do. Today, it's kind of, uh, we're wrapping up the Ghost Hunter series, and we thought, you know, let's, people have questions about who the Holy Spirit is, about what the Holy Spirit does, uh, how he's active in our lives, and and, and what the purpose of, of different things, and people are wondering. And, and in church, a lot of times we take this approach as if, you know, the person who stands here has all the information, and you are just supposed to take it in and digest it, and it's a one-way conversation. Well, what we wanted to do, and we started this earlier in the week uh, on Facebook, actually. I posted, I said, hey, this week we're going to talk about questions that you have about the Holy Spirit. So if you have a question Send it to us uh, through a message or, 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 you know, comment or whatever, and let us know what your question is. We, we've taken a few of those and kind of to get us going and get us started. Uh, but if you have a question while you're sitting there, here's what I want you to do. I want you to email it or text it. You can, most people can text to an email address. It's a real simple email address, josh at verticalchurch.tv. Okay, it's real easy. Just josh, J-O-S-H, at sign, verticalchurch.tv. So today during the message, uh, if you have a question, uh, send that email to us, send that uh, text to us, and I'll get it up here on my phone, and we'll um, we'll see what what happens. So anyway, um, like I said, we're wrapping it up. I'm just trying to turn my phone on so that I can see if you email me. Uh, that'd be cool. All right. Uh, like I said, we're wrapping up the Ghost Hunter series, and we're doing it differently because we don't want to just be a church. That, that speaks about the Holy Spirit, we want to be a church where the Holy Spirit speaks to us. You know what I mean? Like, we don't want to just, just to talk about Him. We want to create space where He can talk to us. Talk to us here and now. And so, um, hopefully today, during the, the singing together, we don't just sing to fill time. We sing because the lyrics of songs have a way of... of of focusing our heart in on, on God and, and, and dialing the, if you think of an old radio dial, we don't do that anymore, they're digital, but kind of just tuning in the frequency of our heart into his voice so that we can hear him. And so that's what we want to do today. We want to encounter, not just uh, in, inform. I don't want to inform you about the Holy Spirit. My prayer is that you encounter his presence. All right, so here's the first question. We're just going to dive in. We had a few uh, questions come in on Facebook, and so here's the first one. If you have Jesus, why do you really need the Holy Spirit? If you have Jesus, why do you need the Holy Spirit? Which reminds me of a guy that I grew up with in, in West Virginia. I grew up in a small town in West Virginia. There's about 1,500 people in the town, and there was a guy in my high school. His name was Billy. 
Now, Billy and I both attended the same kind of church. I attended a Pentecostal church. Uh, he attended a Pentecostal church. But I was, I, I kind of kept a low profile, all right? I was a quiet kid. I, our school was small, so everybody knew everybody. Um, but I kind of kept to myself. I wasn't real vocal about my spirituality. I didn't really invite people to church. I just kind of, every, when everybody's a Christian, you know, in your school, nobody's a Christian in your school. It's kind of one of those situations. Uh, when everybody's a Christian in your culture, then nobody's really a Christian. Um, and so that was my school, and I wasn't really vocal. I just kind of was quiet. But Billy was not quiet. Billy was very vocal, and Billy had a question that he would ask everybody, and he would kind of corner you at the lunch table or at your locker, and when he found out that you were a Christian, when he found out that you went to church, he would come to you, and I promise you, he would do this to everybody, and he would look at you and he would say, have you received since you believed? This kid's like 16 years old, but he's like up in your face, and so that's fine, that's cool, you know, it's a question that happens in scripture, and I get it. And the, the problem with Billy, though, is that if you pushed back on it, because he would then start talking in these really big spiritual words, talking this really fancy talk. And a lot of times he would just confuse people. But if he encountered someone who pushed back a little bit on him, like just enter into conversation, typically Billy would get frustrated and angry and start being really, really mean. And then he would just storm off. So I don't want to Billy you this morning. And so I want to give you just a simple question or simple answer. I don't want to get, I'm not angry. I'm not frustrated. I'm not going to get flustered. If, if we have Jesus, why do we need the Holy Spirit? The, the simplest answer is because Jesus told us we did. Like in, in John uh, chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Like Jesus told us. That's, that's why we place an emphasis on the Holy Spirit, because Jesus told us, hey, I'm going to go to the Father, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Well, if Jesus said that, then, then the Holy Spirit must be pretty important in our lives. And Jesus said not only that, but he's going to be just like me. And, and, and where I am with you physically, he's going to be with you in a different way, but the same way. And he's going to teach you what I taught you, and he's going to remind you what I said, and he's going to, to convict you when you need convicting, and he's going, to, he's going to encourage you when you need encouragement. He's going to do things in your life, bring transformation to your life in a very powerful way. And so the simplest answer to that question is because Jesus told us. That, that he was going to do it. And so like in a, in a couple months, we're going to celebrate Christmas. And then after that, I'm going to celebrate my birthday. And if you come to me on my birthday, which I hope you do, with a package that's wrapped, not really, I feel bad. Just scratch that. I'm not like that. Um, I would be real awkward and wouldn't know what to say, actually. Like, okay, thanks. Um, but if you give me a gift and it's wrapped and I'm like, okay, thanks. And I just leave it like laying down and never unwrap it and never experience the joy of the gift that you have given me, then that doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Jesus says, I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to ask him to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times we're like, well, I got Jesus. I don't need the Holy Spirit. It's like taking a present that's wrapped and never opening it. And it's like, what are you doing? You've got a gift in the box that you could, that you could enjoy. That, that's yours. It's, it's like you don't have to work for it. You don't have to beg for it. It's just freely given. And, and we sometimes treat the Holy Spirit that way. So I know that's a really simple answer, like, because Jesus told us, 
We needed it. Needed him. Uh, but so just to go a little bit further than that, kind of mention some very powerful ways that the Holy Spirit is active in our lives and in, in the world around us. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 talks about how the Spirit of God is, is at the very original act of creation, the Spirit of God hovering over the waters of the deep. So, so when everything that is came into being, the Spirit of God was there. Um, Job talks about in chapter 34 how, how the Spirit of God continually sustains the universe. So if you ever wonder, like, how does all this hold together? Uh, we believe that it's the very Spirit of God that holds all of this together. That, that, um, this is like really super nerdy science. But, but when you take, like, well, I forgot, what is this, the field of uh, some kind of physics. When you take... Uh, get really, 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 really small with things. The thing that's holding them together is the, the, the astrophysicist or however they're, whatever they're called, they, they describe it as a relationship that it doesn't make sense. It actually, at the very, very smallest parts of the universe, it defies logic and understanding, um, which we're like, well, yeah, you know, there's something greater than what we see holding all of this together. Job talks about it as the spirit of God. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 1, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is conceived in the womb of Mary. And so the Spirit is active in the world. But not only that, John talks about how the Spirit um, it, it brings conviction of sin, which is better than condemnation of sin. Okay, The difference being conviction of sin means that there's hope for change. Condemnation means there's hope for judgment. And so the Holy Spirit brings conviction because when the Holy Spirit convicts you of a sin, he also comes with the grace to make a change, the grace to be transformed. But when you experience condemnation, typically that's because someone else, a human being, is bringing condemnation to you who does not have the power to change. And so uh, that, that's something that the Holy Spirit does in our own personal life. He's, he's kind of the source of, of any real change. Uh, even Peter said in Acts chapter 10 that, that Jesus... Uh, Jesus himself, that God had anointed him, Jesus, with the Holy Spirit and with power, and that he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. So if you have a desire to do anything in the world around you, to make any kind of positive impact uh, in, the, in the lives of the people around you, you need the presence and power of the Holy Spirit active in your life. That's Jesus experienced that. And so he says we can experience that. And so final last thing I'm gonna say. Acts chapter two, Peter's preaching a sermon, and he just he says it real simply. He says, Look, this promise, the, the Holy Spirit, is for you and your children and all who are far off, at all whom the Lord our God will call. Listen, that's us. Like we are them. We are all. We are uh, those who are far off whom the Lord our God will call. That's us. And so that promise, Peter says, is for you and for me. And so if God's got something for me, this is what I told Billy when he finally asked me that question, okay? Because I was quiet, but if you like get on my nerves, if you interrupt me eating my French fries when I was 16, I was going to get real snarky with you. And so I said, Billy, here's the deal, bro. I didn't really say it that way because I was shyer than that. I said, here's, here, here's the thing. And I'm Pentecostal. I grew up. I knew what I was doing. I said, I just want whatever God's got for me. Like, if God's got a promise for me, then I want it because I believe God is good. I just want him to shut up. And he left me alone, right? So, okay, there you go. Question number two. I told you it's real kind of different, you know. Uh, question number two, and this is a good question, you know, because 
uh, there's a lot of conversation happening about this in the church culture. Uh, I've heard of fruits of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit. What's the difference? What's the difference? That's a fair question. And, and before we dive into the differences between fruits and, and, and gifts, I want to share with you the similarities, okay? And there's one really big similarity that I think we don't emphasize enough in the church world. And, and you see it right in the very name that we use for, for these activities. Fruits of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. So namely, they are not gifts and fruits of me. You know what I'm saying? Like they are an activity, both of them, gifts, fruits, whatever. It's of the Spirit and not of me. It's not my power. It's not my good deeds. It's not my holiness that affects it. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. I don't make fruit grow. I don't make the gift be given. The, the activity of fruits in your lives, gifts in your lives, is of the Holy Spirit. And the reason I say that's so important is because, I don't know if you've experienced this, but in, in church world that I watch, dude, we're so haughty and we're so stinking prideful. We, we manipulate the fruits and the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that we can set ourselves up on a pedestal so people will look at us like we're better than everybody else. And we flaunt it around. And I've seen so many people on TV flaunting around the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's just not right. Because look, dude, that's not yours. Like that's, that's of the Holy Spirit, not of you. You don't have a reason to flaunt that or boast in that. That's God. If you want to boast in something, Paul says, I'm going to boast in God. And so that's why I say, let's look at the similarities. All right, let's dive into some differences. Hopefully this helps you. If you have a question, like I said, send it in. I'm, I'm going to periodically check uh, my phone. Oh, I do. Whoa, cool. All right. Uh, we'll get to those here in just a second. Um, Paul writes extensively about the gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and he starts out by saying this. This is why it is important for us to talk about. He says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to not know. And so he, he goes on to say that to each one is given, or to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. And here's why I jumped on my soapbox a second ago. For the common good. Like, that's so important. What, what does that mean? That means that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to serve one another, to encourage, to build up one another, another, to serve the church, not to serve my ego. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't get up here and, and, and operate in the gifts of the Spirit so that I can look better. I do. I operate in the gifts of the Spirit so that I can encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ so that I can serve them, so that I can build them up in their faith. And he goes on to list nine of these in this passage. He talks about words of wisdom. He talks about word of knowledge. He talks about faith. He talks about the gifts of healing, the gifts of miracles. He talks about prophecy and discernment. He talks about speaking in tongues, and he talks about interpretation of tongues. And tongues is a, is a Bible word for languages, either heavenly languages or earthly languages, depending on what the Greek word says. But that's more than you probably really want to know. And there are other lists. There are other lists. In Romans, there's a list. And in Ephesians, there's a list. And, and what that tells me is that none of these lists are exhaustive. It's not like they, that, that Paul was trying to identify every single way that the Holy Spirit could gift a person. And if your gift doesn't fit the list, then your gift isn't valid. 
I don't think the lists are meant to be exhaustive. I don't think the lists are meant to define everything. I think he's just saying, look, here's some ways the Holy Spirit gifts us. And there's a lot more than this because the Holy Spirit won't be limited to a list. And so, and so he, he, he lays that out there. And then he says this. And look what he says in verse 11 of that chapter. He says, all these are the work, again, of what? Of one and the same Spirit. It's the work of the Spirit, not the work of 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 me. I can't I can't pride myself that God healed somebody because I prayed for them. Why? Because he healed them. I prayed for them. I I was faithful, I was obedient. I can take courage that God did the miraculous. I can boast in what God is doing, but I didn't heal them. It's not my power. It's God's power. And so he says his work of the spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. I don't have a choice. I can pray Paul says to, that we can pray for certain gifts, but, but the Spirit is the one who determines the gift given. Not me, not you. So again, why can we not be prideful? Because we don't even get a pick. <laughs> we don't even get a choose. Because the Spirit distributes as He sees fit. But the fruits, the fruits are something different. Again, there's another list. Is this exhaustive? I don't think so. Because, again, the, the work of the Spirit is, is broader than a list. But Galatians chapter 5, so that's the, the, the gifts. These are the fruits. Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit, in this conversation that he's having with the Galatian church, he starts off by saying, look, some of your lives have been characterized by what he calls the acts of the flesh. He says the acts of the flesh, they're, they're things like uh, immorality and impurity and debauchery. And he goes on to talk about greed and pride. And then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, uh, gentleness and self-control. And he says, against such things, there is no law. Now, you'll notice that this list looks totally different than the last list. These are not the same kinds of things. Whereas the gifts of the Spirit are, are intended for serving and encouraging and building up each other in our walk with Christ, the fruits of the Spirit are the outward manifestation of the work of the Spirit in the life of a believer. Gifts being something that the Holy Spirit gifts, gifts, you know, gives you. Fruit being something that the Holy Spirit grows inside of you organically. So as you walk with Christ longer, you, you, might get, you might give your life to Jesus, be filled with his spirit, and immediately begin operating in, in the gift of healing. But, but what you'll notice is that's, that, that is not related to your maturity. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit gives as he sees fit. He, he distributes as he, as he plans and as he wills. So it's not related to our maturity in Christ. Fruits of the Spirit are related to our maturity in Christ. That's what Paul's saying. He's like, look, you are a mature believer, but your life is characterized by the acts of the flesh when it should be characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. And so the fruit of the Spirit is, is that sign, that outward growth that something inside internally is changing and developing and, and happening. It's, it's what we ought to, um, ought to begin looking like. We ought to exhibit more love. The longer you're with Jesus, the longer you're in relationship with him, you ought to have more joy, not less. You ought to experience more peace, not less peace. You ought to grow in patience, not in less patience. The longer you walk with Christ, the more evident these fruit ought to be. So we need both. We need the fruit and, 
and the gifts. We don't just pick either one. And here at Vertical Church, you know, we believe in spiritual gifts. We believe in the fruits of the Spirit. We, we believe in all of it. And, and here's, here's really one of the coolest things that I can think about why the gifts of the Spirit are so awesome. Because check this out. He, he distributes to each one as he sees fit, not he distributes to one. You, did you catch that? He distributes to each one. That means we're all involved. That means that the ministry of our church does not rest on my shoulders or Pastor Brian's shoulders. We don't have to be the come all, end all of everything that the Holy Spirit is going to do in our church because he distributes to each one. That means we need your gift. That means for Vertical Church to be all that Vertical Church is going to be, we need your, your activity. We need you doing what God is calling you to do and gifting you to do. I think that is so cool. Because so many churches I see are built on the personality of the speaker and not on the presence of the Holy Spirit. In Vertical Church, we're not going to be that kind of place. We're going to be a place that's built on, on the foundation of Christ acting through our lives by the power of his Holy Spirit. Not on me, not on Pastor Brian, not on, on a musician. Nothing. We're built on Christ and him working in our lives. All right, number, number three. Uh, here we go. This is a good one. You know, I think we all struggle with this. How do you know when God is speaking to you? Like, how do you know? I mean, isn't that a million-dollar question? Why don't you and I get together? We'll write a book. How do you know when God is speaking to you? And we'll, like, make million dollars, <laughs> literally. Because people want to know, how do I know? How do I know that was God or not cold pizza that I ate? How do I know that was God and not just some weird dream because I watched Sci-Fi Channel? You know, how do I know? Well, I think there are five things, I'm giving you a list, five things that you can do to actively cultivate the voice of God in your life. Both, both determine, trying to determine, well, was that me or was that God? But also hearing from God. And here's the first thing. I think, I think man, we miss this one so often. Expect God to speak to you. Like, God wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. He's not trying to hide from you. He's not trying to to make it real confusing. He, he's, his plan is not just to speak to the pastor. His, his plan is not just to speak to super Christians. His plan is to speak to us all. And so I think a lot of times we don't hear God speak or we're confused because we don't actually expect him to. We are of the mindset that he doesn't do that anymore or he only does it for a certain class of Christian. And the fact is, is that God wants to speak to us all. And so we've got to expect him to speak. Like, if you're friends with somebody and they don't ever talk to you, that would be weird. Same thing with God. Like, if he didn't ever talk to you, that's odd. That's not normal. Normal is he talks to you. The second thing is I think we focus on meeting him in Scripture. Because, you know, God will speak things beyond Scripture. Let me clarify what I mean before you, like, start throwing tomatoes at me. Why you brought tomatoes into a theater, I don't know. <laughs> But he'll never speak contrary to Scripture. And here's what I mean by that. There are situations and circumstances that you come into in your life that Scripture does not address. It just doesn't happen. Like, Scripture doesn't talk about why you shouldn't, uh, you know, have road rage and give the person who just cut you off the finger. Like, you, don't, you can't look up in Lamentations chapter 4 to find a verse that talks about giving the, the guy who cut you off the finger. It's not there. But Scripture does talk about anger and rage. So you see what I'm saying? Like God will speak to you things beyond Scripture, applying, applying the character of God to your daily life, but he'll never speak to you contrary to what he's already said. And I think 
As we approach scripture, I think we have to cultivate like kind of what I refer to as, as, as the grip of a passage. Let me kind of give you an example to tell you what I mean by that. This week I was reading through Luke chapter 1, getting ready for Christmas. I know it was before Halloween, before November was even here, but that's what a pastor's got to do. Um, those of you who have already started decorating for Christmas will pray for you. Um, anyway, uh, so I'm, I'm reading that, and it was like the, the, the verse uh, 37 just like jumped off the page and into my heart where, where the scripture says, for no word from God will ever fail. And I read that, and it was like I'd never read it before. And I, was, I just stopped, and oh, God, what are you, oh, wow, yeah, and they just lodged in my heart. What was that? That was God speaking through Scripture. That was God speaking through something he had already said. And so it encouraged me, and it, it's been just stuck there and lodged there. Yeah, no word from God will ever fail. That's God speaking. So be attentive to the grip of a passage when you're reading. If you're confused, number three, keep praying. You know, like, don't, don't worry, don't stress, don't, don't run away. Take that uncertainty to God in prayer. Lord, I'm really confused about this. You know, I don't, I don't know what you're, I'm not certain what you're saying. I, I need some clarity. I will say this on this note, there, though, there are some times when praying about something is delaying obedience, that really you know what to do, really you know what God's saying, but you just don't want to do it. And so that's called laziness or disobedience. And sometimes praying is disobedient because God's already told you, you already know it. You're just delaying what, you, what he's called you to do. And so keep praying about it, but don't pray about it when you already are clear and he's just calling for your obedience. Do it, just, just go for it. Number four, seek advice from a trusted, mature believer, not your jacked up friend whose relationship with God looks like a roller coaster at Bush Gardens. Go to people whose lives are a wreck. What is God trying to say to me? I think he's telling you to leave your wife. Okay. No. Listen to them. Mature, trusted, someone who has a track record from hearing from God. Go to them, seek their advice, but only after you've prayed about it. Only after you've taken it to God. Don't go to your friend before you go to God. Go to them after. Hey, I think this is what God's telling me. I want to share it with you. I want to get your advice. It's... And make, you know, trusted, mature, mature. And number five, expect confirmation. Look, God wants you to know his voice. He, he, wants, he wants to speak to you more than you want to hear from him. You believe that? Like God wants to speak to you way more than you want to hear him speak. He wants to talk to you. So expect his confirmation. God's voice is not obscure like a riddle. Like you've got to be really clever to, to figure out or some kind of super level Five Christian to hear the voice like Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. You gotta you gotta manage the obstacles and the and the booby traps, or you're gonna get your head chopped off. It ain't like that. God wants to speak to you, and so expect that he that he will. All right, let's uh, let's see what we what we got. I'm not gonna be able to get to all of these, um, but I will get to as many as we can. I'm gonna go ahead and invite the band to come up. We're gonna get ready for communion. I'm gonna try to hit a different. Um, a few of these different. Um, is there a difference between a prayer language and speaking in tongues? Uh, does every believer receive the gift of tongues? I would say that every believer can receive the gift of tongues and um, should. My whole, I have a really weird theology. I mean, I went, my, one of my theology professors are right over there and she probably wouldn't agree with me. I, I have this whole idea of, of 
the doctrine of initial evidence of tongues being something that was founded in a scientific culture where, where you have to prove this experience uh, by way of an observable evidence. That all sounds very scientific method to me. And so I think if, as our culture is leaving the world of scientific method and entering a different world, I think we need to have a different conversation to, to find, not to, to if, you're, if, you need a, if you need a sign, like if that's the worldview you're looking at scripture, I think you find it. But if you don't have that question because you come from a different culture, I think maybe you don't come to the same conclusion because your glasses are different. I don't know if that answered your question. Probably not. Maybe just made you more confused. Uh, is there a difference between the Holy Spirit and the presence of God? Um, yes and no. You're welcome. Um, again, you know, I'm, I have a very interesting worldview on things. I think, I think every time we experience the presence of God, we're experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit because uh, that seems to me to be, you know, Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he didn't talk about sending anybody else. So when we experience the presence of God, that is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, no, you don't have to be baptized to get to heaven. Um, that's, uh, you should be baptized. It's very good for you. It's a sign of what God is doing in your life. And it, and it does bring grace to your life. It is a, anytime we do anything in obedience to God, there's grace given to us for transformation. But as far as like, does baptism stamp your ticket to heaven? No, I don't, I don't believe that to be the case. Uh, last one, um, good literature that may encourage someone. I'll have to post that on Facebook because I'd actually have to um, like get that stuff together. So this week, if you're friends with me or, or you'd like Vertical Church page, we'll try to post some recommendation for, for material that you could read for, for insight into the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, at this time, we're going to go into communion. Uh, we're going to celebrate together uh, the table of the Lord. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.